seats. Welcome everyone um, to the April 13th, is that today's date, Student Success and Policy Committee meeting. I am calling the meeting to order at 6.31 p.m. Um, Linda, could you please take the roll? Chair Chisty. I'm here. Christy Green is not present. Christy Chung. Present. Student Trustee Villalobos. Present. You do have quorum. Wonderful. I'm going to move on to the land acknowledgement. Um, and I also want to recognize um, uh, President um, of Academic Senate, Mitra Sapienza, is also joining us today. Yay. Um, so I'm going to move over to the land acknowledgement. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homelands of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula as indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions. The Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded nor lost nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. All right, I'm going to move on to the next item. Um, I think it's items not on the agenda. Um, at this time, we will take public comment on items not on the agenda. Do we have any public comment for items not on the agenda, Linda? No, we do not. Great. I'm going to move over to minutes. Um, no, I don't know if trustees need a few minutes to review or if I have a motion. Moved. All right. All right. I would will, I will like to make some changes to, yes, the, absolutely. to the minutes. Uh, as far as uh, my um, attendance, um, Give me a second. Let me uh, give me a second. Okay. As far as my attendance, can we make sure that my uh, attendance uh, reads student trustee Malinali Villalobos. Great, thank you. Um, so uh, before we have um, further discussion, just want to make sure that we have, uh, any, is there any public comment, Linda? No, there's not. Great, so is there um, a motion to approve the minutes as amended? Moved. Seconded. Great, can we please take roll call on the approval of the minutes? Student Trustee Villalobos, advisory vote. Aye. Trustee Chung. Aye. And if Trustee Green is, okay. <laughs> and Chair Chisty. Aye. The motion passes. Great, thank you so much. And uh, recognizing Trustee Green as present, um, going to move to the next item, which is a, um, update from the Student Equity Strategies Committee. Um, and um, yes, President. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. It's a Student Support Strategies Ad Hoc Committee. 
Okay, student support. I think that's what the PowerPoint. So the PowerPoint was correct. Okay, awesome. Um, and I will turn it over to you, Dr. Cooper Wilkins. Fantastic. And I'm going to share my screen if that's okay. <laughs> All right. Oops, the host has disabled participant sharing. All right. Thank you. Okay. Great. Everyone can see my screen. All right, so I'm excited to come before uh, the Student Success and Policy Committee meeting today to give an update on the work of the Student Support Strategies Subcommittee. Um, always like to start off many of my presentations with a note about gratitude. Um, there are a lot of individuals who um, are part of the convening of this group. We have about 25 or so faculty, um, classified staff and managers who convene once a month to, to do this work. So I'm really grateful to them for their participation. And then today, what I'd like to cover on their behalf is um, just some context setting about the role of the uh, ad hoc group, um, some data um, to inform um, the work of the group. Um, and then there are three um, working groups of the ad hoc committee, student support services, technology, and student engagement. And so I have some folks who will be um, joining in person and online to help um, give the presentation today, and then we'll end on some next steps. And so just to provide some context, this committee was formed back in the spring of 2021 um, at the request of um, the Student Success and Policy uh, Committee. Um, they wanted uh, a group to be looking at ways that we could re-engage our students and help support increased enrollment, uh, particularly after the pandemic. Um, and it was, um, again, as working groups are sort of had a defined shelf life. And so uh, the work of this uh, uh, working group or subcommittee um, which is a subcommittee of our enrollment management committee, um, is slated to conclude its formal convening at the end of this semester, but um, has been um, providing updates to the student success uh, and committee, um, uh, student success and policy committee over the last couple of years. Um, and as you can see, again, the purpose of the group is really around how to re-engage our students and how to advance recommendations to the college that will hopefully positively impact enrollment. Um, the big, I think, um, notable piece about the work of the group is the intentional coordination and communication among many existing groups at the college. I think we can all recognize that there are a number of departments um, and individuals who have roles at the college that impact um, enrollment, registration, retention. Um, there are several participatory governance groups and college committees that also engage in that work. So it's been great to kind of cross um, collaborate and share information. Uh, we also work really closely with our institutional research partners to get data to help inform um, decisions and approaches that the committee has taken. And so the first uh, set of slides provides some information about uh, course enrollments. And um, we can see that there has been decline in enrollments that has um, appeared to be steady over the last um, few semesters. Um, and we just, when we discussed this last year, we also noted that that decline did start before the pandemic, um, that there was an actual uptick in enrollment after the implementation of Free City in the fall of 2017, and then the declining enrollment trend sort of started again. Um, also, CCSF participated in a statewide college attendance survey about student enrollment decisions. 
And we hope to have those decision, um, those results rather from um, our institutional research part, uh, partners presented at um, our upcoming um, ad hoc committee meeting before the end of the semester. Um, also, um, this slide represents course enrollment. So students who are enrolled in three courses are counted three times. So duplicate, there are duplicate head counts on this particular slide. The next slide, because we know also that we've been asked to, you know, share information about, um, you know, the uh, distribution or disaggregated data about our student representation. So although the enrollment has been declining, the student uh, demographic proportions remain stable. Um, we're not losing more students from one student group over another. I know that that's been a concern and that CCSF is still serving more students of color than are represented within the city. So um, that information is promising. So um, the first slide is about the working group um, student support services. So one of the um, leads of that group, uh, Katrina Vasco, is here to give help support giving that. Hi, good evening, everyone. My name is Katrina Vasco. I'm the director of EOPS Care Next Up. I think I've met most of you. Um, and so I um, had the opportunity to lead the uh, student services, um, student support services uh, reboarding committee, which is really focused on reconnecting students back to services, one during the pandemic, and then obviously now through uh, some of the hybrid offerings that we have. And so uh, one of the biggest things that we worked on was developing of a referral form, which is live, but it does uh, still need a lot of work and really a lot more um, uh, outreach to make this resource available and known, uh, but I think it does have a lot of potential and we're definitely looking at, and we've worked with Cabrillo College to look at their model to see how we can further develop this even more uh, to be a useful resource for everyone at the college. Um, and so it's an online referral form. Uh, PC, if you want to move over to the form. Um, it's very simple. Um, we know we like simple. And so, uh, and we're also uh, have a list of different services and programs that you connect with. And so, uh, like I said, the goal is to really make this a sustainable model that we can use over time um, and really that everyone could use at the college, whether that's students, other students, or uh, faculty or staff. Um, and we've also done a lot more work outside of this referral form. Uh, we can move to the next slide, please. Um, really, a lot of our conversations in this committee is centered on uh, interdepartmental collaboration. And so we know that the more streamlined services are, the less stressful it is for students. So we've really looked at collaboration between counseling department outreach so that students get connected to the services immediately and that there's no gap in that. Um, another thing was reintrodu uh, reintroduction of in-person services. And so a lot of you have been able to attend those events. They've been really well attended. You've seen a welcome day, unity day. We've been doing open houses at different centers. Our student recognition celebrations have been in person, which have been so amazing for the students that just really wanted to reconnect with students in person. And we have a big event, Financial Aid Awareness Day. I'm trying to plug that as well. Um, that's going to be huge. It's called Cashella. So hopefully you all can attend. And then also uh, increase in hybrid service offerings. So a lot of our workshops orientations are now given in both modalities because we know that we need to connect with students where they're at. And right now it's in both places, right, which is online and in person. And so we want to make sure all these services services are avail available in different modalities. And, then, and I believe that we have uh, Tomas right with us online as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Or, <laughs> Hi, Tomas. Oh, yeah, <laughs> our pivoting. So and yes. <laughs> next slide. Oh, great. Um, 
Uh, so in terms of, um, thank you, um, uh, my name is Dr. Tomas Bogre, um with Outreach Department. Um, in terms of uh, our student services supports, um, we have um, really focused on, on an improvement of communication of services, um, advocating for department chair to include um, SparkPoint um, and the essential support um, guide in our course syllabi. Um, so again, working um, across from student affairs and academic affairs and improving the access to translation services, um, which language line and um, providing, making sure that that's accessible to um, uh, staff um, that work in student services and um, in academic affairs. Um, and then also increasing the training of um, staff use of language line. Um, we've also have, um, excuse me, Introducing um, new incoming uh, high school students to hybrid services. So um, students um, who are in our local high schools, SFUSC high schools, um, have access to both in-person services um, at their campus uh, and on our campuses, and then also th uh, through virtual means um, through a variety of resources, um, both on Zoom and um, through Signalvine. Um, so we're really ensuring that these students um, have uh, a lots of support transitioning from one um, academic institution to our institution. Um, and then finally, um, there are lots of students, um, student supports. Um, so uh, we reintroduce our help huts um, at the beginning of the year, um, placing them in strategic portions of the campus um, where students can go um, to receive a, a whole array of supports, including um, registration and enrollment support, um, helping them navigate to different places on campus um, where they can access um, the services on campus, um, and also um, helping them uh, helping them familiarize themselves with the campus. Um, we, uh, in addition to our help huts at the beginning of the year, we've also um, uh, brought back our student ambassador programs. And so we have student ambassadors in our multi-use building um, throughout the whole um, academic year. They're um, I'm, I'm ready to serve students, both current students and prospective students who are seeking out more information about our programs um, and needing support with enrollment and registration. Um, and, in, and in addition, um, these student ambassadors, um, in addition to being a, a touch point for current and prospective students, these student ambassadors are also leading um, campus tours um, every Thursday. Um, two campus tours will go out on a, the 11th and the 12th and at 2 p.m. at, uh, at 11 a.m. and at 2 p.m. Um, and students um, are able to um, register for those tours and or families. Um, and uh, you know, we take them to strategic parks on the campus um, where students, um, well, they learn more about student services and, and uh, a, a little bit more about the programs and uh, buildings that are uh, uh, here at Ocean Campus. Thank you both. Um, we're gonna move on to the work of the technology um, working group. Um, and there are, um, three areas they want to address, the new IP quality score that is helping us address um, some of the fraudulent students, um, uh, the continued expansion of students' access to technology, um, both through loan programs and through what's available on campus, as well as SignalVine. And I believe we have Ellen Rays here to kind of kick us off, and Monica Liu, actually, about the IP quality score. 
Um, thank you very much. Um, I will yield the microphone to Dean Leo to cover IP quality score. Uh, good evening, Board of Trustees and Student Trustee. My name is Monica Leo, Acting Dean of Enrollment Services. Um, I'm going to share some update on IP quality score. I will start with some content information. These um, the state chancellor's office recognized the increases in application fraud, financial aid fraud, and enrollment fraud, and uh, requires all districts to work on improved fraud prevention and mitigation strategies. Guidance were provided by the state chancellor's office for districts to take a student-centered approach that aim to protect and prevent harm to our real students. City College has been proactive on addressing this. We attended the state chancellor's office fraud webinars to learn insights of tools used across the California community colleges and learn other Bay 10 colleges that already use IP quality score and uh, validated that the tool is uh, very effective. City College of San Francisco adopted IP quality score, IPQS, in 422 to help detect four uh, cases. IPQS fraud prevention tool score user data such as an IP address or device, email address, phone number, or even complete billing detail. IPQS has application programming interface tools that allows CCSF to send information to IPQS and return a fraud score in real time. This will allow CCSF to instantaneously uh, determine if a student cases of fraud or, and also immediately flag those students. Since this is a new tool, the um, initial implementation at the beginning of the spring 2023 semester after, text, uh, after uh, some testing being done, um, that was leaned too much on the IPQS fraud score instead of the student behavior. Using this tool, 21,587 accounts were flagged as potential fraud, and out of the total, 1,421 records had an IPQS score of 100. Holes were placed um, on this 1,421 accounts, but mistakenly dropped them from classes. In response to the drops, Actions were taken immediately to uh, resolve, uh, restore those uh, students back to their classes. Uh, as a result, 1,384 students were rest restored back to their original classes within the first week of class, as well as lifting um, those holes on their accounts. The remaining 37 individuals were dropped um, as a result after giving a week uh, notice for them to respond, but with no response. After the initial implementation, we take a step back to work on refine tuning, to fine tuning of the tool. 
um, content of email communication is being developed right now. Um, at the technology committee meeting in March, the committee formed an ad hoc work group, which is IP quality score work group that will address the challenges that CCSF is facing around bad actors looking to take advantage of obtaining financial resources meant for our students. Members will include students, faculty, ITS, financial aid, admissions and records, and the Office of Online Learning and Educational Technology. With a student-centered approach, we will be looking at student behavior such as students' participation in uh, learning communities. We need to make sure that they won't be flagged as potential uh, uh, fraudulent records. We want to protect their uh, identity. We will build business processes and establish automated processes that prevent uh, further processing until the student uh, with those high um, um, IPQS score um, who can verify their identity in person or on the virtual counter to the financial aid and admissions and records services. Um, so that being said, um, we still have a lot uh, of work to do to fully implement uh, IPQS. Thank you. Thanks, Monica. Okay, ABC Ways. Thank you. Um, and we are um, also happy to announce that uh, through College Library, we were able to obtain uh, 50 hotspots with unlimited data. Uh, this is now in addition to the already existing 250 hotspots, uh, of, which are available for students to check out at our library locations. Uh, also, through the college libraries, we were able to obtain additional uh, 50 laptops, Dell laptops, which are going to be added to the fleet of 250 Dell laptops and 300 Chromebooks that are also already available for checkout at the library locations for students. Additional initiatives that we're working on are um, the following. We are in the process of purchasing lab technology refresh equipment. We are going to be addressing labs in various locations throughout campus with uh, critically outdated uh, hardware and software. And we are also going to be uh, purchasing additional equipment to refresh our audio video equipment in the classrooms. Also, we are in the uh, final stages of uh, identifying the 20 smart classrooms to be converted uh, to um, 20 classrooms, I beg your pardon, um, um, to, to be converted to smart classrooms at the Chinatown campus, which will address 50% of all Chinatown campus uh, classrooms. Uh, and this is after we have successfully already completed uh, 20 smart classrooms conversions at the uh, downtown locations. And I'm going to pass the microphone to um, Meg Hudson, who is going to talk about the Signal Line text message update. Hello, good evening. My name is Meg Hudson, and I'm the Dean of Outreach and Community Partnerships. Uh, the, <clears throat> the college adopted uh, the Signal Line platform for text messaging starting back in January of 2022. And it's a really effective way of communicating directly with students. Uh, the students get the messages on their phones, 
but the the people at city college that are directing the messages can respond on their on a computer so it is a really good way to dialogue directly with the students um, we've used it in a variety of ways um, some of it is uh, to prospective students or students who have applied but not yet registered for classes in both credit and non-credit with nudges of um, key dates and reminders. Um, we also use it for um, program communications where, uh, for instance, EOPS or Metro or uh, the Completion Center, they, they all are using it to give targeted messages to students in those areas. And then uh, finally, we do use it as reminders of special events to get students um, to register for these events. And, and, and Dean Hudson is gonna stay with us to talk a little bit about some of the work of the Student Engagement Plan Working Group. Yes, um, this is the third area of the ad hoc committee. And um, our work really does overlap a lot with the other committees, um, but uh, we're really focusing, a lot of it is um, kind of bringing students in. And so there's a lot of work between um, admissions and records and outreach to, um, as well as the centers to offer a lot of enrollment support for students. And we've done this um, both virtually and in person. And uh, we have a really uh, strong program in place um, in MUB 149, where students can drop in and get a lot of individual support to enroll. And we've really promoted this in a variety of ways, um, you know, uh, even to through media um, and then through our community partners, um, as well as internally um, through the CCSF website and associated students. Um, announcements. And we also promote it in multiple languages to make sure that um, the message gets out. Um, as part of the student engagement plan, it was already mentioned that we've been doing some um, welcome week activities, welcome days. Um, these were really already mentioned. So um, you can see the, the flyer that we had for the January event. Uh, it was pouring rain. Uh, but we all were in um, the cafeteria and it was a very successful event. Um, and then we had a lot of volunteers for our welcome week and help. Um, and then finally, we're really trying to reach uh, prospective students as well as new and returning students. Um, you may have seen our Your City, Your College postcard that was developed by one of our design students. Um, it really was a playful way of seeing where all the centers are located and really making the point that we're all around the city to serve uh, the community. Um, and then we we also are trying to reach prospective students in other ways. And it was mentioned about the campus tours. And then we also have a big event um, that we started last year and we're having it on Saturday, CCSF Connect to get people excited about coming to campus and seeing what resources are available. Um, and as also as mentioned, um, the, the in-person events have really um, increased, uh, especially this semester with all of the centers having open houses as well as many of the academic programs. 
Thanks, Dean Hudson. And so really, um, when we think about next steps, we are um, working together across, um, again, multiple sort of committees and uh, groups on campus to reimagine the student welcome experience, uh, particularly beginning with the fall 2023 semester and expanding on some of the um, hybrid supports that have been um, really successful, but also um, have us returning back to some of the strategies that we were using even before um, things were so automated um, and were reminded by um, some of our students about the success of all-in-one days where students could come and literally get support from the uh, uh, throughout the matriculation process and leave um, knowing what classes they should be registered in. Um, and then finally, uh, the Enrollment Management Committee, um, which this is, like I said, a, a subcommittee of, continues their efforts at developing a culturally responsive strategic enrollment management plan and the work that they've done on their 2023 growth plan, I think will maybe be the next iteration of the kinds of work that this ad hoc committee was charged with doing um, as they um, look across at several different strategies that will help us um, improve our enrollment strategies. So on that note, I'm going to stop and say thank you and open it up for any questions that folks may have. Thank you so much. And before I open it up to my colleagues, um, Linda, do we have any public comment? No, we do not. Thank you, Linda. Um, I will open it up for discussion and I believe um, student trustee Villalobos was on staff. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for the the presentation updates. A, a lot of a lot of information, a lot of good uh, good stuff that we're doing here at City College. So I, I'd like to commend uh, the whole team for for uh, making this effort to make our 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 uh, City College a, a better uh, City College uh, for the students that are here and for the students of of tomorrow. Uh, I took uh, quite a few notes and and. A lot of the information we've been gathering through different spaces, but um, I, I uh, going back to uh, Dr. Boatwright for uh, improvement of services. I'm curious to, uh, if you're still here, I'm curious to find out uh, when you have those campus tours. Um, do you do you get a sense of feedback from students? So like what like. What is their feedback on during those campus tours? Because we, you know, this is like maybe our first opportunity for potential students um, here at City College. Thank you for that um, that comment. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's. I think there's still room for us to um, gather feedback. Um, so to offer a little bit more context, we offer both special tours for groups. So that's um, usually um, school groups and community-based organizations that have you know, a need to introduce students to any of our, our programs, our, specifically our CTE programs, our athletic programs. Um, and so we, and outreach, we're creating curated uh, um, special tours for these groups. And then we have our regular tours on Thursdays at 11 and two. Um, we recently implemented um, a, um, a form that attendees can complete um, if they need more information. Um, 
uh, if they, if they're requesting more information, like a follow up, um, they want support with enrollment support. So we have that connection, and we're making sure that we're um, checking in with all of our attendees. A lot of um, our feedback right now is, you know, through word of mouth. They're like, you know, they're impressed with um, with culinary arts, for example, who've done really great job in showcasing their work, or, or our horticulture department. Um, and uh, so we're hearing feedback, you know, when they tell us after the tour, um, but that form that we just implemented um, will be another mechanism to sort of capture it um, live um, and in print. Thank you. And uh, for, for the tours and actually for the rest of the programs, um, are, are, we, are we also having this at other centers? And, and I know, cause we, we do, an incredible job here at city at the ocean campus and with visibility and the tours and we we have all this information but what about our other centers as far as like tours as far as as far as like the services that you had mentioned katrina um having those res those centers have access to to this that there's perspective uh locations um, <clears throat> one of the things I'll chime in with is that we, uh, one of the things that the ad hoc committee has begun doing just, I believe in the last year is, um, um, more closely and intentionally collaborating with our ease, uh, working group and our ease working group is charged with sort of evaluating the availability of services out at the centers because of our accreditation requirement to ensure that we have comparable services and supports, no matter what location students are, are taking their classes. And we're in the process right now of, um, going to each center to engage in that evaluation. So I appreciate that question because now we can actually intentionally sort of add that as another piece of it because we've been looking across at um, the seven core services and what's available, but that would be another um, a piece of the um, evaluation uh, um, process that we can include because I don't know that it's consistently available or who is conducting you know, those tours that were, or even the availability of student ambassadors at the at the centers at this point, which is certainly a goal of ours is to grow the program enough so that we can have ambassadors in many locations at the college. Thank you. I have a, quite a few questions, but I'm just going to. Yes, I'm going to. I'm just going to ask two and then if time permits, I'll, I'll come back to them after y'all go. Um, OK, so question marks. Uh, let me see. Going back to uh, Dean uh, Monica Lou presenting on the fraud, the fraud numbers. Um, okay, so so um, we've identified that like through this this mechanism that, you know, we've getting training for, uh, we, I, I believe you share a number of over a thousand potential fraud cases, but then all those a thousand coming back and uh, getting their classes reinstated, correct? Yes. That's correct. Okay. So, um, so within, and I don't remember the number, but I, I think I, I do I have shared it before with, uh, Dr. Cooper, uh, Lisa Wilkins, um, Lisa Cooper Wilkins. Sorry. Yes. Yes. I'm not trying to change your name. All of that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, uh, there was a number of like 29, 30, 40 something students, that were actually dropped that were real people and they weren't notified and they didn't know that their classes were dropped 
Um, I happened to work with one of those students, so I, I was able to identify the whole process. When they got dropped from, from the system, um, they didn't get a notification, first of all, even though we have an amazing uh, array of communications, email, text, uh, Signalvine, uh, the MyCCSF app, app, but they weren't notified. The reason they, they brought it to the attention is because they were trying to go to their class, but the class wasn't showing up. So I, I tried figuring out what it was and it wasn't showing any kind of holds, anything. We walked into registration. Um, the initial people that we came in contact with couldn't figure out why the classes dropped, right? So they had to take it all the way to the top. And then they identified that they needed to prove their, prove who they were. So from that point, we walked over to financial aid. And from financial aid, um, they were able to do whatever they needed to do. We go back to registration and they were cleared and they were able to get that class reinstated after a while. But this only happened because the student knew where to go as opposed to what about those students that never got notified and then just kind of said, you know what, I'll just go ahead and, and take another class because it doesn't show up and it doesn't show up as a whole. It doesn't show up as anything. It just shows as um, what they share with me here at registration is showed as a fraud case, right? Which was not a fraud case. It was an actual person. What happens to those students that don't get reached out? Because we it shows that we have 100% getting those students reinstated, but what happens with those students that don't get reinstated? Um, as I uh, share at first, um, uh, so far for all those were being dropped, uh, um, only 37 of them um, um, are at the actual drops because those were uh, uh, the ones that are all, um, uh, still uh, have um, the uh, the the um, um, the uh, activity that in in the system that we um, were not able to uh, confirm that they're real students. And uh, for those, uh, uh, we actually email them uh, and give them a week to respond, uh, but uh, there's no response. So the uh, overall, um, uh, only 37 of them uh, uh, will bring uh, actually um, the actual drops. The other, the other uh, real students, um, they were all restored back to their student, uh, I mean, their classes. Uh, thank you for addressing that. And the reason I it's important is because with our, with what feels a limited amount of classes being offered and um, classes being impacted in a short of classes offered for programs, um, th that's, it's very crucial for these students uh, to be able, well, first of all, not to be in that 1,000 list, but if they do make that 1,000 list, depending on that score, that we, we right away help them get back to their classes and, and uh, remedy this this unfortunate situation. So thank you for addressing that. And lastly, as far as uh, hotspots, uh, uh, ABC, Ellen Race, you mentioned that there's a uh, slide number 13. You, you mentioned that there's a 50 additional hotspots with unlimited data. How recently? Recent is, mm -hmm. Yes, how recent is this? 
this is, uh, um, I'm not sure of exact uh, date of the purchase order. Uh, this was reported through college libraries. Um, I can find out for you the purchase order, but these are going to be available. Um, um, they're either in transit, they've been already purchased, so um, they've been added to the fleet. Okay, thank you. I, I needed that because we have referred students to, to get hotspots, mm -hmm. but we get the same result that they're all out. Uh, there are a lot of hotspots, at least for the ocean campus. I'm, I'm not sure about the other centers, but for the ocean campus, I think a, a minimum of 10, 15 students have been uh, sent, sent away, uh, letting them know that they don't have uh, hotspots um, available. So uh, that's also those 50 hotspots will help. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that we get more district-wide. Um, because if there's a need here at the ocean campus, it seems that there's a need also to, at the other resource at the other centers. We just I just haven't identified or heard of it yet. It's interesting. Um, one of the things I want to do is uh, actually um, uh, show gratitude to uh, ABC uh, Raised because we were at the John Adams site visit for the Ease Working Group when the librarians um, mentioned to us the need for more hotspots that even though there are a number of hotspots, some of them are inactive and students just haven't returned them, um, even though we've communicated with them and requested it. And we recognize that some students may feel like they might use them at some point, but we um, made that uh, request to ABC raise about both the hotspots and the laptops, and they um, started the process of ordering the additional equipment for students. So thank you for that ABC race. Will do, and thank you for the question. That, that's it for now, for now. <laughs> thank you. Um, any other questions? I, I see Trustee Chung. Yeah, I, I just wanna um, sort of really second what Trustee Villalobos was saying. I think it's, I, I really think we need to exercise every means of communicating with these students, right? Not just their city college emails, their personal emails, texting them, calling them, like all the resources that we were talking about earlier, right? These are prospective students, multilingual, right? Like if these students don't speak English and the the text they receive is English, it's not, it's not effective. Um, I also wanted to it, you know, I absolutely hear you. I think it's wonderful. All the all in one day, the help huts, the, you know, the resource center staff, like the student mentors, ambassadors, the remote and hybrid resources, those are all incredible ways um, that we're doing this work. But I, I do want to, I'm going to just emphasize it again. I, I really think, um, right, relying on as someone who studied interpreting services, right, the issue is that it really doubles the amount of time it takes for you to reach these communities if you've required an interpreter. I'm really hoping that, um, you know, as we look to to grow and actually invest in the outreach department um, with the importance of understanding that we need to, to really build up our enrollment, um, that we are also diversifying our fleet of, of staff who are able to communicate with these communities and be, right, be in the spaces that CBOs are um, in, right, because we, we really need to be on the ground. Essentially, what we did on our campaign, that's what we need to be doing for City College to, to really um, bank that in enrollment and um, I, I really look forward to the um, presentation on the culturally responsive strategic enrollment plan. Moving forward, um, particularly it's just I, I'm I I don't know what the caring campus initiative is. I'm curious what 
I'm, I'm sure that the marketing and outreach will probably include some social media, I'm hopeful, um, of, right, that that's a cheap, cheap way to, to advertise our college. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. I, okay, I will go. Um, and in the interest of time, we have about 15 minutes. So I will keep my comments short, but I also have quite a few. Um, so I think the first thing is that I definitely echo um, Trustee Chung's points about just, you know, utilizing every aspect to like reach out to students. And I love Signal Vine. I remember doing research around that when I was taking policy courses. And um, what I'm curious to know is like, what is a prospective student? Is it a student that has applied but has incompleted, like did not complete their application? Um, I think at any point that a student has filled out an application and we have that information in the system, they are no longer um, maybe perspective because we have a way to connect with them. So I would say pre-application is likely the definition if uh, Dean Hudson is on the line and has a different um, way that they categorize the students. I'd be happy for her to. Um, next. Yeah, I think that's correct. Uh, if they're in our system, either they're, they're previous students or they've applied or there's some at some point in the enrollment process, we, you know, it's a lot easier for us to contact them directly. Uh, if they are prospective students, then I think it's really more um, you know, working through the high schools, working through the community-based organizations, and then doing like a, a really broad kind of blast, like the postcard, social media, where we don't really, you know, we're just trying to reach them in various ways. Right. And I think that's what I was trying to get at is that like, same thing, like, you know, when we campaigned, when I campaigned, I did like a text messaging platform. So I just, I'm curious to know, like, I don't know, are there like groups that we can identify and send text messages to? And like, have you thought about taking a class at City College and just really reaching a wide audience? And it's again, text messaging is one of the most cost-effective um, means. So I, I'd love to see how we can really double down on that, on those efforts of just reaching a wider audience. And then the other thing that I wanted to make a point about was the um, hotspot. I, I like, as I've held office hours, that has come up time and time again is a um, limited options for hotspots. So I, I think I was curious to know about like the utilization rate, because I think the need is probably higher. Um, and so I think figuring out how the board or how we can, as we develop the budget, um, can increase dollars towards hot, pot, hot, hot pots. That would be good too. Um, but hot spots. Um and I think the other thing is that going back to the IPQS, I'd like to, if we could get a sample of the communication that's sent out to students, I'd love to just kind of see what it looks like. Um, and I don't know if there maybe are some opportunities for improvements there, like what student trustee Villalobos was bringing up, but I, I'd like to just see it so I can have a better understanding. So that would be Great. Yeah, I think we can come back with the presentation, um, particularly since this working group is about to get underway and they're going to be looking at all aspects of, of that work, communications and strategy. Wonderful. And um, I apologize, student trustee Villalobos, but I want to keep us moving. Um, so I think that we are going to end discussion on this item. And I don't know if I can do this, but if it's okay with my colleagues, can we... Um, 
take the item for the resolution on the student trustee policy and non-credit student engagement um, before advocacy efforts because it's an action item and I'd, I'd like to kind of get that done. So can I move that? Am I allowed to move that? Do I have the power to move that? Yeah? Yes. Yeah, yes. great. Okay, so we're doing yes. that one. <laughs> um, so I don't know who I'm turning it over to. I think it's Trustee Chung. Would you like to talk about it? Yeah, um, and, and thank you for that, um, uh, Chair Chisney. I just wanted to um, thank, uh, you know, Dr. Martin as 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 well as the committee for allowing us to re revisit this and um, and also adding the language um, to it. I I think it's like I'm ready to move it before the entire board because we do need to pass this um, before, right? We have a we have a deadline um, to pass this so that. Um, the next student trustee has all the privileges that we grant them. Um, I just wanted to actually, I think with regards to a, a way for us to really incorporate um, sort of the uh, the the vision, the intention of the non-credit resolutions that has passed. Um, so this is the most recent one, but there was one that was also passed in 2016 when actually um, a student trustee who was sitting was actually disempowered by a legal counsel that was serving us. And so I, I think it was, and it was, I think that board, um, right. I think with, with the things with ed code is that there, there have been some changes. There's been changes at the board of governors level. There's also been changes in the language, particularly, um, ed code seven, six, zero, six, one that states that talks about, um, student government, like students who serve in student government. Right. So it's not directly, quoted in um, the membership of the board, but it does kind of alter um, some of the scenarios in which we can consider the, the clause of its equivalent, right? I think if we can please add the language, um, again, it's ed code 76061, um, to include, right, the equivalency of being enrolled in an, an adult education program offered in the district pursuant to article nine, um, commencing with section 84900 of chapter five of part 50 at the time of election and throughout the term of the student student's term, or, um, I'm sorry, and um, the other possibility is be enrolled in the district at the time of election and throughout the student's term and is a disabled student. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that basically non-credit students who are enrolled in an adult education program as well as a disabled student will not need to um, Right, it, that's the the equivalent of the five semester units because it it sort of pulls from these two different ed codes. So I'm hoping um, it's not an exact copy of right. If we can include those as an authority, legal authority, um, and add that language directly onto our board policy, I think it will actually give legal counsel some room to argue in favor of that if we get challenged at the state level. If I may, Trustee Chung, mm -hmm. thank you for those comments, and I believe I've captured them, and we will go ahead and make the draft changes to the existing board policy and circulate it through our process uh, for college feedback and bring it to the board. I'll just say um, thank you so much, Trustee Chung, for your um, efforts on this and just helping us move this along. We really appreciate it. So just a few points of clarification. So the resolution that's before us is something that's been passed at the state level. This is not a resolution 
from you, right? And and this is what's triggering that we need to um, update our board policy. So, so the resolution before you was written by um, city college students and presented to the oh. student senate for California Community Colleges. Was passed at the delegate assembly. Okay, got it, got it. And so, um, and so, what this essentially does is that it. So we will be updating our board policy, which will include non-credit students. And students with disabilities? Yes. Why would students with disabilities be excluded? I don't understand that. Well, it, what it does, if if I may, Dr. Martin, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, is that um is that basically they're not required to enroll in a minimum of five semester units. Oh, I see. I yeah. see. Great. Awesome. Yes. So let's make those changes and um let's move this to the uh to the full board um with uh, it, yeah, so, go ahead. <laughs> uh, thank you, Chair Chisty. And if I may offer a suggestion uh, to make sure that we uh, are in alignment with our uh, board policy process, uh, pending the approval from oh, the yeah. Student Success and Policy Subcommittee, we would then uh, take it to the campus constituent groups for feedback and input and bring that collectively yeah. back to the full board. We may not be able to get it uh, by this meeting, but certainly uh, by the May regular board meeting. Does that sound good, Trustee Chung? I just want to make sure there's because there's a date on the if we can on the board or in the ed code and the board policy, right? We have to pass this before was it was it by the end of May? Or I thought it was the end of April that we need to get this through. Trustee Chung, that is something we can certainly uh, triple check. And if it is April, we can uh, do our best to uh, fast track it through our process and bring it to the board in two weeks. Okay, so um, we will be voting on moving this item to the board or to fast track this to the board. Uh, I believe at this point, uh, Chair Chisty, if we could get an action from the subcommittee uh, to approve uh, the discussed changes, uh, that would allow us to take it uh, to the full board, uh, but with following our process to the constituent groups first. Okay, is there a motion? Move. Sir. Uh, moved by student trustee Villalobos, seconded by um, trustee Green. Um, Linda, can we take roll? Student trustee Villalobos, advisory vote. Aye. Uh, trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Chung? Aye. Chair Chisty? Aye. The motion passes. Wonderful. Um, with these Four minutes remaining. Do you think we can do like a speed advocacy efforts and maybe we can touch on the topic and we can maybe continue it at the next um, board meeting, if that's okay with you, Chancellor Martin? Uh, certainly, Chair Chisty. And to be very brief, uh, attached to uh, reports and discussion item 5B. Uh, is a draft document that was put together uh, for conversational purposes, but at any given point in time, uh, the state legislator is considering uh, dozens of bills that impact higher education. Uh, before the subcommittee this afternoon is a handful of bills that I think would be of specific interest to city college students. Uh, as the legislative cycle unfolds here in the coming months, uh, getting this information in front of the subcommittee uh, and potentially getting subcommittee support for some of these mm -hmm. assembly bills and Senate bills uh, would really help staff identify uh, where to focus our advocacy efforts on 
and support the board in honing in on specific legislation that we think would be the most impactful uh, to City College. Uh, so by no means uh, is this an exhaustive list. It was really a first attempt to identify uh, 10 or so bills that I think would have an impact here at City College. Uh, we would love to bring this back next month and potentially get uh, a recommendation on uh, support or uh, not supporting. And then that information would give us the ability to start drafting letters for the full board's consideration that we could then support in advocacy uh, before the governor signs all of the bills or vetoes them uh, in June if they make it that far. So hopefully that provided a, a quick runway. Uh, but this is uh, a process that we would love to help support the board in uh, moving forward on an annual basis as the legislative cycle uh, continues each year, getting uh, interested bills in front of our board here so we can identify which ones we want to support and which ones we want to focus our energy on. I think that this is a document we could continue to evolve in the coming years. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And before I open it up for discussion, any public comment, Linda? Yes, uh, Leslie Smith. I'm, yeah. Yes, I want to speak in strong support of AB 811. Uh, in 2008, when these, uh, we thought the world was facing a global financial disaster, the community colleges adopted several policies that have left to, has caused us to lose over a million students, which is a disgrace and it's not serving the taxpaying adults or any of the adults in California that needed access to a community college education. AB 811 reverses some of the most egregious policies that allow students to build skills, whether in basic skills or in um, actual skills in their discipline so that they could, for example, open a photography studio on their own, just having a community college education. You can't do that with just beginning, intermediate, and advanced. You need to repeat, you need to build expertise. It's part of the community college model. And it is an absolute disgrace of the enrollment that city college has lost, but across the state, it's a million. And we need this bill to begin to reverse the dramatic disaster of the last 15 years. I urge a strong support. Now the bill is up on Tuesday. It's too late to get, unless you're going to testify in person for the higher assembly higher ed. It is authored by the chair of the higher ed. My guess is it passes out. Um, hopefully when you get to your board meeting, you'll be able to adopt a support position and actually do lobbying on behalf of the taxpayers and the needy adults of California. Thank you. Is that it? Yep. That concludes public comment for this item. All right, thank you. Any, mm -hmm. Tracy Chung? Yeah, I think, um, and, and thank you for the public commenter. I'm so sorry I missed your name. I, I think what I would really like is um, the language of the bill is so specific and it was kind of hard to read. And I was like, no less than three. Is that a good thing, a bad thing? I couldn't understand which threshold with 811. Um, so I would actually love if we can, when, before it circles to the whole board, if we can actually request opinions from um, the participatory governance system, right? Associated students, classified Senate, academic Senate, to get an opinion on all these matters. Like I, I know very clearly AB 1275, right? Um, as well as the assembly bill for student transit, um, the governing board membership for student members, like those, I understand we like, I were part of those campaigns or I knew that we were doing them this last year. So um, I understand to support those, but 
if, if we can get a report on that. But uh, just briefly comment, why isn't there anything from the Senate? That's a great question. I don't have a definitive response to that, but we can definitely go back and check the Senate bills. There are Senate bills, uh, but in looking through uh, what I think was about 200 options, uh, these were the ones that were selected. Uh, but if there's something not on here uh, that is uh, in the Senate, we'd be more than happy to include it moving forward. Great. Um Thank you. Um, I, I think the only thing that I will add is that when I was reviewing, well, first, thank you so much, Chancellor Martin, for putting this, all of, all the work that went into this. I think that this is an area that the board has been really, um, is an opportunity for growth about how the college can take a strong uh, stand on assembly bills, how the board can play a more active role and just kind of tracking all the different legislative items that are moving um, along. I think I had the same little bit of a struggle when I was reviewing um the items like i i was like well, i don't know like the the text was really specific and i was trying to do a google search to see like where people were falling on some of the items so i think just having a little bit more um input from our stakeholders will help us own in on what we should be really focusing on um so i think that would be very helpful so thank you um, and all right, moving to future agenda items. We um, actually have quite a few items in our queue, so just want to make that plug. Um, but if there's any additional items for my colleagues. Tracy Chung. Um, yeah, I, I would like um, for us to have an agenda or report on applying and meeting the requirements for the Rising Scholars Network, the Juvenile Justice Program. Mm, yeah. And just also a follow-up, I'd still like a status um, update on the forming of the Advisory Committee on Black and African-American Students Affairs that we formed during the Black History Month resolution. Yep, that's on our um, queue. We're just trying to make sure we're scheduling everything that we need to. So we, we definitely have that on queue. Thank you so much. Any public comment, Linda, for future item agenda items? No, there's no public comment on this item. All right. Great. Well, we are um, adjourned. I think the next meeting for student success, success and policy is May 11th at 6.30. Great. Uh, yeah. Uh, motion to adjourn. Moved. Moved, Second. moved by Trustee Chung, seconded by Trustee Green. Thank you.